take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokettes and non-token lovers of liberty. It is Thursday, April 21st, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. We're coming to you again from the cafeteria at the United Nations building here in Midtown Manhattan, where it's day three of the United Nations General Assembly special session on drugs. This was called for by the Latin and South American countries that are suffering disproportionately from the crime, violence, and corruption that takes place in the war on drugs. And it's been an interesting event. We've got all sorts of audio to bring to you from the United Nations, but also from just some of the conversations and other activist events that have been happening here around New York surrounding this particular event. Coming up in this hour, you'll get to hear a panel discussion that took place at the Museum of Drug Policy, a temporary pop-up museum on Park Avenue, sponsored by the Drug Policy Alliance and Open Society Foundation. And it was the tail end of a panel discussion amongst clergy on how religious perspective needs to be taken into account and, and to adjust to these realities of the war on drugs. Also coming up, we've got a special performance by singer-songwriter John Forte, who performed at the Museum of Drug Policy. And then at the end of the show, I'll have for you a discussion uh, that I just had with the Dhaka couple, the uh, couple in South Africa who was busted for their marijuana possession and use, who are now fighting their way all the way up to the Supreme uh, Constitutional Court there in South Africa for their rights. And then we'll wind up the uh, show today with a radical rant. I'll give you my take here on this uh, 2016 United Nations General Assembly special session. Then in Hour 2 Toker Talk Radio, we've got another special discussion. Here in the cafeteria, I got to sit down with three of the representatives from Jamaica. They discussed their perspective on this UN session. And then to wind up the show, I'm going to bring you my recording and highlights of the 420 celebration at 420 p.m. that took place at Dag Hammarskjöld Plaza here in New York. Dana Beal, the uh, famous Yippie activist and the uh, founder of the Global Cannabis March, was putting it on. Adam Eidinger from DCMJ showed up with the uh, jail cell prop that they were using back down in Washington, D.C., and many activists from all around the country, including uh, Mickey Norris, Pebbles Trippett, Adela Falk, Jody James, and more, all got a chance to speak with me there at the 420 celebration. It's been an amazing time here in New York City. Thanks for all of your support and sponsorship. You can always donate to the Russ Belleville Show through PayPal, Russ at RadicalRuss.com. Your donations help keep this content free. We'll be right back after a couple of minutes. Got to pay a few bills, and we'll hear that panel discussion coming up next. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, and advocate or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. To tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. Dr. Dabber, hurry, its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, more flavor. Activism begins with ACT. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. So we have to end this struggle, right? It's, we really have to end this struggle. What do you know for sure about what we need to do, what the black church needs to do, need to, do to end this war on drugs? So. Well, what I know for sure is that the conversation we're having is not limited to the Christian church. And I want to lift up the words of Howard Thurman to say what is true in a religion is not true because it's in that religion. It is in that religion because it is in fact true. And so what the Proctor Conference and our team has been doing for the last several years is mobilizing an interfaith affirmation that we share common values around compassion and care and the opportunity to push and propel this historic moment to change the paradigm from one of mass incarceration to one of health and compassion in response to the drugs and the drug war or the drug problem, however people choose to define it. And what that means in my mind, then, is that the black church has to be present and participatory in a movement where the common tenets of compassion and care and help and humanity is lifted up as a response to dismantling this system of oppression. And so when we look around this museum setting we are in, we will see that Drugs and the war on drugs has impacted every corner of the world. And every social, economic, racial, ethnic, and religious tradition. 
And so I think it is therefore most important that we become intentional about organizing ourselves with other leaders of different faith traditions in order to dismantle the system and the collateral damage that's being done to families and communities all over the world. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, and I would, I would uh, add to it. Um, so we need an intergenerational, multiracial, multi-faith movement for societal change. In other words, let's look at this hot mess of a culture and think about how, we can, how I can point myself at the thing I have the capacity to do and equip you to do the same thing. Find the commonality. These things are interconnected is what I'm trying to get to. These are inter- Poverty is connected to health care, is connected to overuse of drugs, is connected to stigmatization, is connected to, right, all of that. So I, I want to just, that's exactly right. I think the other thing that I would add to it then is something like our theology of critique. Like what the, the world is... The world is unmerciful because we're not merciful. It kind of breaks my heart. It's like, you know, you, you, I, a kid, I know a kid who came out, a young lady came out gay to her black church when she was a teenager, and they put her out for coming out gay. And she's never sang at a church again until she came to my church and sang 20 years later. The same thing happens about sex. Good God Almighty, does God really... What? You know? So the, a theology that is ready to have a hermeneutic of such judgment seeps in our culture. So you, you transgress. You, and, and it's in the black church and it's in the white church. And it's heavy. It's in Islam and it's heavy. It's in sects of Judaism and it's heavy. We need to lighten up and think about mercy. Great. Thank you. Um, so we're going to turn to you for questions. Um, okay, so we can take two questions <laughs> for our panelists. <laughs> any, quest- any questions for the panelists? Um, and this is for, thank you, first of all, for um, such a powerful sharing. I've been taking copious notes. Um, so this question is for anyone that wants to answer. Um, there were a couple of points, one about the embodiment, the other about um, our trajectory of hope. And my, my question to you is in terms of strategies on the ground, uh, whether you're looking at worship services, um, religious education, training of leaders in particular, the training of the seminarians, how do you see us going forward and getting um, these aspects about where hope lies and how we embody it, uh, returning back to our African uh, spirituality. How do you see that? And you can take any one of those on the ground, whether it's with clergy training, whether it's with the liturgies that we use. Um, but if you would just share some of your insights and wisdoms on how we get it um, activated in those immediate locations of church worship, practice, education, and training. Let me just start by saying I think one of the things we'll have to do is to be real clear about how we work to dispel the myths. Uh, one of my friends says sometimes about the world in which we live in, the society that we're part of, it's all made up. There's a way in which there are all these fanciful kinds of, of, of images of what success is and, and what achievement and accomplishment, what prosperity, what purpose, what meaning is. There are people in the church who have too often 
given us false kinds of understandings on that level. We have to be the people who are about doing the business of, of re-examining, looking critically at those things. It kind of makes me think about the Garrison to Money Act, the whole issue where it says, you know, what is the name of this demonic force within you? And the response is legions. Because it's manifest itself in so many ways. If, you, if we look at our community in terms of all the ways in which we're being bombarded by those negative realities, then we realize that what we're trying to counter is something that takes on different phases that every day is being projected to us and upon us in ways that we find ourselves having to try to work our way through in a way that's not crippling to us on a day-to-day basis. So what I would suggest is that what's most important for us is to make sure that wherever we are in those safe spaces that we create, that a part of what happens in those spaces is a continual critique of the contradictions. Uh, I, I like the way, again, my favorite Howard Thurman quote is that none of life's contradictions are final. Uh, we're dealing with a lot of contradictions that are the byproduct of the experience of living in this culture of oppression. But we have to continue to be the ones that understand that that's not final, that that might be a part of what has transpired along the way and where we might seem to be. But there are people every day who continue to create for us these distortions, these lies, and these myths that really are not about the truth. And the truth is bigger than all the facts that people can ever put before us. The fact might be that the analysis that comes from some of those who are doing the assessments of the problem that we're dealing with always seems like we're doomed and there's no way out. But there's a truth that's bigger than all the facts. And that truth is that we are one people who've been created by one God, irrespective of the names that we might call that God by and the, and the ways in which we might experience the teaching. But we have to come up with the new ways of dealing with that. And so in all those strategies you mentioned from liturgy to how you develop ministries, etc., I would say that we need to think beyond worshiping ceremony. Too often we worship ceremony. And we have to create space, environment, and strategies that allow individuals to excavate their truths because it's in the telling of the truths of the personal narratives, such as how many of you are impacted by this mass incarceration? Please stand. And if the truth be known, most congregations would have most people standing. And rather than feel a sense of shame, we ought to feel a sense of courage and compatibility with one another to organize to dismantle that. And so that powerful just word truth on the back wall there is the beginning point for us, I think, not to worship ceremony, but in fact to begin to embrace the personal narratives, the suffering of the people that we are called to serve. Wonderful. Um, We have a second question. I do, uh, but mine's going to be based on the UK, but I'm looking for some direction in this. And so a black male in the UK is seven times more likely to be stopped and searched than his white counterpart. Two-thirds of the stops and searches are drug-related, are for drugs, but 
don't actually reveal drugs. However, throughout the whole criminal justice system, black people, in, on the whole, fare worse than their white counterparts. So our jails are full of black people. And in actual fact, a shocker for America is that proportionally, we jail more black people in the UK than you do in the USA. So, so, you know, get your head around that. And that two-thirds of that is is apparently drug-related, even though the evidence is very, very clear that black people do neither ingest or sell drugs at any greater rates than their white counterparts. But what I'm coming to with this, so, so that's the sort of landscape and the, the background that we're working with in the UK. But what I'm coming to with this is back to the faith, uh, the, the faith element of this, which is that our churches in the UK, and I'm not talking about a specific denomination here, I'm talking about multi-faith, still take a really punitive approach to drugs. So it's not even part of the narrative. The narrative hasn't really even started within our faith communities. Um, and if I could ask, the, the question that I would ask is, what, would, what advice would you give to me in relation to where do we start that? Because that's what I'm <laughs> trying to do in the UK. That's such a great question. Where do I, where do we start? I, I, um, I have a playful thing I'm going to say, and please forgive me, but I wish some pastors would confess that they smoke pot because they do. You go to religious retreats and places where pot's legal and they're getting down, honey. Um, I wish we would stop pretending like alcohol isn't a drug because it is as is ambient as it, I mean, so let's, let's get, so my thing is, where are the places we can set a conversation to be real? And it might be that you have to start first with clergy. Because we actually go to seminary and get taught to have a really strong false self. We, 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 we get taught to pretend like we're good and pretend like we're holy. And that you won't love us if we don't put that facade on. That you won't respect us if we don't put that facade on. And maybe there could be a, a space where clergy could be together. Maybe you give them a little weed. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but, but you know, like, let's have them be in a safe space to kind of talk about what's at work. And that's the thing that I would start with is what's at work is the church is fake about that, right? You know, of course, of course human beings alter their reality with drugs of some kind. Running is a, you know, when you get the endorphins, running. so let's get real. Maybe a little seminar with people. Maybe they do some real sharing. Maybe they create small groups of talking. Maybe they begin to think together about what's the curriculum for the clergy. We don't get that in seminary, to be honest. We don't get taught to be real in seminary. We don't get taught to the, the place, the appropriate place of vulnerability, the, the, the appropriate place of authenticity. So that's, that's one place. I think the other place is between police and, and, um, and, and, and clergy. The, the, I think the police, so again, my, my frame is we've all interjected. We've all taken in judgment as the way to deal with people. So if the police and clergy or police and lay leaders can get together and talk about why is there such a strong no about this. So then it really boils down to relationship and community organizing, which I think I was always talking about really well. Like this is dismantling small groups at a time, one-on-one at a time. That, those are my two ideas. Okay. 
Okay, so thank you very much. Please join me in thanking our incredible, fantastic, amazing uh, panelists, the Reverend Ed Sanders, uh, Dr. Ivor Carruthers, and Dr. Jackie Lewis. Thank you. Boot to the head. soon to a city near you cannabis finance boot camp get all your cannabis accounting legal and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis business boom whether you're a grower dispensary operator or a newcomer to the field your cannabis business needs cannabis finance boot camp for information on upcoming events visit cannabisfinancebootcamp.com Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. <laughs> Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Most of us pirates, we go on vacation to North Dakota, you know, because they've got a town called Argusville. What are you smoking there, boy? This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. I am honored to introduce Grammy Award-nominated John Forte, who, who you heard from earlier this evening, and who himself, of course, spent seven years in federal prison as a result of a drug charge. His music speaks to his personal experiences, but more importantly, it speaks to all of us about the ways that we ought to engage with one another as human beings. Thank you very much. This was the last song that I wrote in federal prison. Um, it remains my favorite song today. It's called The Breaking of a Man.
sought out to advise and add on. I changed the thinking you so proudly had on this mobilizing effort. It picks up from where the best of the best came and left it. The treasure of truth. I mix drinks within the booth. They can't be measured with youth. I break leaven with the seven and let whatever produce my past estrange the light. If change is right, you can say the judge killed me. And I came to life, a newborn, like a neophyte. Fruitful love from the truth of life. This is the letter I don't need to write. Peace, see, law, bless the stars. If I don't breathe the night, if I don't save you from yourself, maybe the Lord might. What I envision is better, steady, higher living from this system, though some dudes might be dead already. I graduated from a school where the minds varied to hold the burden known to those that only time carries. This cherry blossom, a martial artist studied the chi, written on gossamer, tutored by philosophers demonstrably. I deconstruct the subpar and put them back together like the monsters be. So how you want it? Obvious or subconsciously? If every man has a price, who sponsors me? We should do more than just drink responsibly. You see, even in the mountains, Lord, John was free. I know you've seen the breaking of a man. You've taken all you can as if the house we made was laid across the sand. Oh, Lord, penalties for suffering can seem so hard. Dreaming the days when everything's so dark. Tried to walk good. Where does that road start to show? As fate would have it, they would have me talking savage like the average among us and not confined to the youngest. I'm like the magical healer slash masterful builder. I know the riddle of steel is in the hands of the wielder. They tried to shatter my leader, do bad to the breather. For living page 27 from the bag of the Gita. So when his time stopped, where he lay, read I'd rather be hated for what I am than loved for what I'm not. You can't subtract logic. I put tulips on his grave where we waxed philosophic from where the words we gave. Pay attention, it's a new day running and it ain't coming cause it's here for the taking. This has been years in the making. I've spent years in a station waiting to make this entrance. I'm here to free the world, young star. What's your intention? This is warfare, youngin'. Lightning is flashing now. Tune in and let's see what's happening now. One way or another, it's going down. 
And I know you've seen the breaking of a man. You've taken all you can as if the house we made was laid across the sand. Oh, Lord, penalties for suffering can seem so hard. Dreaming the days when everything so dark tried to walk good. Where does that road start? A show, a show, a show. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest growing business association in the fastest growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. The cannabis community is a diverse set of people from all walks of life. Conservative and liberal, black and white, straight and gay, rich and poor, and everyone in between. Learn more about the people we are freeing from adult cannabis prohibition in our Cannabis Community Chat. Good day, tokers and toquettes. Once again, I'm here in the United Nations uh, cafeteria 
And it just so happens that I've run into another set of international guests. I am here with the Dacha couple. You said it correctly. South Africa. I, I studied. <laughs> I'm a radio guy. I have to learn how to pronounce things. So, uh, Dacha, of course. We were speaking Jamaicans earlier. Okay. They, they call Ganjaman, it Ganja. The Ganjaman. But America, we just call it weed. Yep. But uh, tell us uh, your names and what the Dacha couple is all about. Uh, my name's Myrtle Clark, and um, the Dacha couple was a term coined by the South African media after it hit the newspapers that we were arrested in our home on charges of possess- possessing Dacha, and um, we decided to sue the South African government uh, on charges of in- uh, enacting unlawful laws. So the newspapers got hold of it, and that's how come we called the Dacha couple. And, and my name's Jules Stubbs. I'm the other half of the Dacha couple. And uh, we had three choices, Russ. We could have either faced seven years in jail for possession, because that's how it is in South Africa, or we could have paid a bribe, because that's how it is in South Africa. White people don't really get to jail in South Africa. We have some money, so we could have done that. Uh, but that would have given us a criminal record, and we travel a lot. So we would never have got a visa. We'd have a 10-year suspended. So you know what? We just fought it, and we're fighting it. And we've set a precedent in South African law. And now we're hobnobbing it at the United Nations. And 10 minutes ago, they wouldn't let me in because I have the word cannabis on my shirt. Whoa. Uh, so we're having a, a conference on international drug policy but we can't have the word cannabis be seen. <laughs> My goodness, people might start talking about it. That's right. <laughs> I, I was absolutely incredulous. Uh, it happened this morning and now today, because I've only got one shirt on and my... My hotel room's 20 blocks away. I still have the same shirt on, so you can see me perspiring here because I've had to put a hoodie over the top of it all so I stay legal, dude. Ah. So so your case uh, got prosecuted and it's over? No, uh, no, oh, we've only just kind of begun. Um, yeah, so it was in 2010 when this, when this all started, but it's obviously been a like, long road since then. We're waiting now for a new date because it was meant to be, it meant to start in the High Court on the 10th of March, but then it was postponed again because we've got so many expert witnesses coming over to South Africa to testify. We need 20 court days. So now we're just waiting for our sort of the high legal beagles to organize a court date because it's going to be 20 court days. So um, we hope to, before the middle of the year, to announce the new court date so that we can move on. Yeah. You, you mentioned briefly uh, white people don't go to jail no. in South Africa for this. Kind of like America. You know, it's kind of like America. However, um, it's a kind of a reverse situation in South Africa. We believe that most of the people that are arrested or intimidated or extorted are white people. It's kind of different. The arrest rate is higher for whites than it is for blacks, we believe, because white people have got more to extort from them. If you've got a nice car and you look as if you've got some nice clothes, then the cops go, hmm, we might be able to get something out of this, because a lot of this stuff just stops on the side of the road. Nobody goes to, you might get put in jail for the weekend, but during that weekend, you might get the docket to disappear, you might get a tout lawyer to pay the right bribe to the right people. So that's what we mean. It's for sure the disparity in incarceration is the same as it is in the USA. There are more people of color in jails in South Africa than there are Caucasians because most uh, Caucasians manage to get their way out of it just with resources, basically. And I've personally sat in a South African jail on occasion three times, and some of the people that are sitting in there are just sat there because they don't have any bail. That's the only crime they've committed, is not having the amount of bail to post to get out. And Myrtle has just dealt with a Rastafarian man outside Cape Town. He was languishing in a police cell for four months because he didn't have, what is it, 
1,500 uh, US. He didn't have $100 bail, and now he's been there for four months. Wow. Oh, that's silly, isn't it? How much uh, possession amount does it take for these charges to get um, Anything, anything. We've, Any we've, we've, had, yep. we've seen convictions for 0.5 of a gram. Oh, uh, or as I like to call it, out of marijuana. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah it's just a gurik in the bottom of your bag. We, are, we, we were actually... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were we were arrested for uh, we, we had a, a, a quantity of cannabis, but the law says that if you have over 115 grams, 115, you are a dealer. Does that sound like science to you, Russ? 115 grams is one, one, about four ounces. Four yeah, it's pound. about it's uh, it's five ounces. Yeah, yeah, it's about five ounces. So if you have that on your possession, you are automatically a dealer. And now we're talking about some serious jail time because if a guy has three cases of beer in his fridge ah, he's a beer salesman that's right that's right yeah he's <laughs> Good a, just stocking up no not no. at all oh the disparity and ma'am. if you have 114 grams you're not a dealer but if you've got 116 grams you are so you know, at, at the time uh, we know that it's very easy to actually uh, argue away these particular charges because for there to be a dealing charge there has to have been dealing. There has to be ganja, cannabis, dacha, and money in exactly the same place at the same time. So what they do is they intimidate you on the spot because a dealing charge is jail time. So when, once, once people are scared, they make stupid moves. And that's all the cops are waiting for you to do. You know, they make it, you incriminate yourself just by them scaring the crap out of you. Yeah, I saw a, a meme cartoon on Facebook the other day that showed the squirrel stopped in the middle of the road. And they say the squirrel goes 90% across the road and then stops. And what kills him is him trying to go back the other way. <laughs> says that's the same thing when people get caught with drugs is they're the squirrel that that's, stopped and they panic that's and right. they get themselves that's a great busted analogy. worse. That's right. Yeah. And we see it time and again. And we've got a little booklet called Know Your Rights. Because loads of people in South Africa don't actually know that there is a procedure. There's a proper procedure to be arrested. You have rights. And at that point, when you're busted, people don't think they have any rights. So we produced this booklet, which is now version 4. And right at the very beginning, it says, just shut up. Say nothing. Sign nothing. Don't wind them up. Just take it on the chin. If you get arrested on a Friday, which is modus operandi, you're not going to get out till Monday. That's how it is. They're going to put you in a jail for three days and punish you. The alleged cannabis user will now be punished in the state jail for three days. And at that point, the minute you start tuning the cops back, they're going to make your life miserable. You're not going to eat. You won't get any water. So uh, what's the status of your case now? And, uh, okay, so pending pending new date okay. uh, in the High Court, and then obviously um, all evidence is led in the High Court, and then as, as our legal team say, well, once we're through the other side of the High Court, we can breathe a bit easier. Then it will most probably go through the Supreme Court of Appeals, and then onto the Constitutional Court, which is obviously the, the highest court in the land. And we've got some really amazing witnesses coming over. We have Donald Abrahams confirmed, we have Carl Hart confirmed. Oh, um, oh, no, we got yeah, duty, so because huh? we're not a, we're, we're not about we're not sick and we don't want to make socks. Um, we just want rights. to get stoned. Actually, yeah. Yeah. we like being stoned. So, so that's the bottom is, line of our case. Yeah. We, we believe we don't believe in recreational medical nothing. We don't see any distinction whatsoever. We are fit and well and health, healthy because we use the cannabis plant. That's that's it. And all the people that come to us at our non-profit company looking for cannabis as medication and they're sick, not one of them has a relationship with the plant. 
Not one of them. 400, 500 of them, all of them. They come to us because they're sick, because they haven't used their plants all their lives. So we're doing this from a human rights angle. It is our right to put whatever we want in our bodies. And it is enshrined in the South African Bill of Rights that that is the case. But, of course, it's not the case. Just like it is in your Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence. They've got all this blah, blah, blah about human rights. But, oh, yeah, okay. Well, you didn't see that the asterisk at the bottom that says, except if it has to do with drugs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's the it, caveat uh, at the bottom. Right. Yeah. So, there's a tiny, fine print those uh, founding fathers put in. Yeah. Uh, so, um, in South Africa, what's it like... Um, trying to change these laws. A lot of government uh, oppression, a lot of them trying to turn back, turn this there back. There is no political no, will. No, not really. Not not really. Um, you know, we, we kind of steer clear of, of the politicians. It has, it's only been in the last uh, sort of 18 months that we've started to engage with the broader d- drug policy debate and policy in general because we're fighting this through the courts. You know, I don't know if you've heard, seen South Africa in the news lately. Our president is not exactly the most popular person in the land because he spent $14 million renovating his private residence. So, um, and the, he was found guilty by the, by the highest co- court in the land. The yeah. judge president said that the, the president of the country is guilty of embezzlement. Wow. So he went on national television and said, I apologize. Moving on. Nothing happened. <laughs> wow. Yeah, true story. <laughs> Can I say that my sister was there? She said, yeah, this same guy in Zoom uh, was accused of being raping the secretary. Yep, yep. He said, what, uh, did you rape your secretary? Well, she didn't she like it. She got AIDS. Uh, yeah, but wash myself. So that is, we have a, uh, a cartoonist called Zapiro, who's very famous for he, every time he draws the president, there's a little shower head sticking out the top of his head. As a, as a reference <laughs> yeah. to the fact that he slept with, he slept actually with a relative. Ah, it was a relative that he slept with, and um, he was un, had unprotected sex, and he said, "Well, I had a shower afterwards." <laughs> See. Yeah, so this is this is the leader of the of our country, and so this um, is the person we're expecting to make science and evidence based. Yeah, exactly. On. So that is that is ex- that's yeah. exactly why we are not doing. Obviously, it's not the courts that change the law; it's the, it's the politicians that change the law ultimately. But we have to get this through the courts first, because one thing that out of um, it's about two weeks ago, the constitutional court judgment on the president it gave us incredible confidence in our court in our judicial system. It's really, really strong. We've got a strong set of judges on the Constitutional Court. And um, And we're going to get there. We've got a very strong constitution. Actually, in Mexico, everybody knows about the the four people in Mexico who got the judgment there. They used the South African constitution there as an example for that case. And we've been in contact with the the defendants in that case. And the South African constitution is, is, is famous in... The circles where constitutions are famous, you know, it's like, yeah. Did you have something? No, 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 just ask you, what was the point in the constitution that could help us out of the prohibition uh, strategies? Uh, what is the point in the constitution? Well, it's just based on human rights. A very, yeah. very strongly worded human rights declaration, the South African constitution. Yeah, but uh, they could always say uh, we have to control drugs, etc. Is it as well, fixed you know, in the you know, you know the way that the Mexican judgment was worded was so poignant? It was the fact that if it's impossible for me yes. to, uh, to mature 
the way I want to and develop my personality if I can't use cannabis. I use cannabis in my life, and if I can't do that, ah, okay. I cannot fully develop my personality. Ah, that yeah, was the ju- and that was the judgment. That's a very, very poignant thing to say. Yes. And I'm hoping a South African judge will say the same thing to me one day. So we're hoping for a decision that recognizes a freedom of conscience. Yes. You've got it in one. That's my fight. Cognitive liberty. The sovereignty of your body. It's not rocket science. Alexander Shulgin? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. This is the border, and if I'm not the sovereign, past this border. Completely. And also the whole principle of a victimless crime is also... Our mantra, actually, on on our stickers is, I am not a criminal. Because I'm not. I'm a really hard-working, tax-paying person, but I happen to use the cannabis plant. So... Check this, uh, check this out, folks. Go to the website, dachacouple.co.za. I even said yeah, Z. No, <laughs> <laughs> and that's our non-profit company. Fieldsofgreenforall.org.za. Yeah. Which Fantastic. Where come from? We live in Johannesburg. I'm actually an Englishman. I, I was, I'm an Englishman. I've been in South Africa for 25 years. It's my oh. home. I don't do Europe very well. I do Africa very well. But on the other hand, it was very nice to leave Africa last week because, man, it can drive you crazy, that place. Eh? Yeah. It's the Wild West. Yeah. It all happens all the time. That's one thing that does happen in Africa, stuff, all the time. <laughs> it really is a dynamic place, and you never know where you, where you stand. It's a very brutal country. There's a lot of crime. There's a lot of murders. There's a lot of very angry, starving people, and it's been really cool to come to Manhattan. But I must admit, I was very, very surprised coming into a drug policy meeting to be told that I can't wear a cannabis T-shirt. That's just out to lunch. I'm sorry, folks. Well, it fits fits along with uh, they held a UN session, especially one of the side sessions on youth, listening to the voices of youth in the drug war. There was not a single young person on the panel, uh, and all the SSTP people uh, who showed up, yes. all the kids who showed up to go to it, weren't let in. Right. Well, <laughs> like, isn't that just how it is yeah, in this yeah, building? It's yeah. like yeah. lots of stuffy old white men running the show, eh? Yeah. It is. And w- but one thing I did hear on the first day was, for the first time ever, a president, yes, not an ex-president, a real live incumbent president say, legalize already. Ooh, and that was the man Ooh, from Mexico. Mexico. Yeah, the Mexican... President, really he said, li- no, cannabis, he yes. said, we've gone past decriminalization now, just legalize this plant once and for all and let's get on with it. And I've never heard an incumbent president say that ever. Yeah. So that was quite cool, but nobody actually reported it yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's too big. <laughs> this has been an amazing discussion with the Dacha Couple. Check them out online, dachacouple.co.za. Thank you so much for talking to hey, us. Russ, it's, it's an honor to come and see you because you keep us going in South Africa. We feel as if we're in a backwater. You know, We're yeah. at the bottom of next stop, Antarctica. Yeah. It's a long way from here. Yes, so all of your writings and all of your words and your show is very important to us and to activists in South Africa because we consider you're on the front line. Because if there's going to be a blog post, it'll be yours first. You've always got the foot in the door first. So we commend you for that. Well, thank you. I, I hope to visit South Africa, Johannesburg someday, and I'll give you a ring when I do. Oh, no, you should, yes, yeah. please, too. If you need a bed for the night, please come oh. stay with us.
This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant. Well, folks, it's been quite an amazing adventure here at the United Nations with all the events that are going on for the United Nations General Assembly Special Session on drugs and uh I learned a whole lot about international politics while I was here, and that is it is definitely the major leagues of screwed up politics. <laughs> I just got to put it that way. This whole session began with the acceptance of a document, uh, something they call the outcome document, that has already been voted on and already been accepted by the UN member states. So it seems a little odd that We'd start with the document, the finished outcome document, before we'd even determined the outcome of this three days of discussions. So we, we start with the outcome document, and then what happened for the next three days is countries, most of the countries, complained about it. See, the problem here at the UN is that they have to work for consensus on an international level. So we're talking about trying to get countries like New Zealand and Jamaica, places where there's a lot of use of cannabis and a fairly laissez-faire attitude toward it. And those countries have to be in the same discussion with countries like Singapore and Indonesia and China and, and countries that still execute people for drug crimes. Executions. We, we have such a variety, such a wide range, all the way from legalization in the state of Oregon 
to hangings in Saudi Arabia that have to do with this war on drugs. So trying to come up with any sort of consensus at the international level is damn near impossible. Many of the member states, especially the European Union, Canada, Jamaica, and others, Latin American countries, South American countries, a lot of them complained about how this outcome document in no way addressed ending the death penalty for drug crimes, which many of the speakers pointed out is against international law with respect to human rights, with respect to the rights of all people to be able to live, basically, the right to life. But then we have countries like Pakistan that would stand to support this outcome document and to point out that their right to run their judicial system any way they see fit is their right. It's their sovereign right. And that they complained about these UN uh, drug meetings possibly trampling on their sovereignty of their judicial and criminal justice systems. So basically you had countries like Pakistan and, and Indonesia standing up for the right to be able to continue executing people, despite the fact that it doesn't work. If, if it worked, they wouldn't need to be executing any people, now would they? So it is a bit frustrating, and, and other countries uh, also made a lot of points about harm reduction. What's up? <laughs> it's my friend Kevin Sabet. <laughs> made a lot of points about harm reduction, and that was also largely ignored in the outcome document. So when we're seeing countries like Canada, like the United States, uh, countries in Europe that are employing successful harm reduction techniques where we can show through science and evidence that they are working, and we can also show that the contrary, the executions and the punitive measures are not working, then it just becomes incredibly frustrating to try to listen to three days worth of talks about this and recognize that they're not even talking about the real issues. Nowhere is this more clear than when they're talking about cannabis. Uh, but they weren't talking about cannabis very often at this event. Most of the talk that I heard around uh, drugs at this event had to do with opioid epidemics, heroin and the, and the uh, synthetics that are you know, pharmaceuticalized as well as what they like to call NPS. And that stands for New Psychotropic Substances, or what we in the United States call designer drugs. So the designer drugs, uh, you know, this is when they take a chemical and they, you know, like bath salts, and people get high on it. And so the government will say, okay, chemical XYZ is illegal. And so the chemists, they will just take the Z out and switch it with a Q and... Now you got a new chemical that's not illegal, but it still gets you high. And country after country talked about the need to battle these NPS, these new psychotropic substances, and, and lamented the fact that they can only, through these uh, scheduling efforts in various countries, they can only make illegal like 10 or 20 of them a year, yet hundreds of these chemicals are designed every year. There's just no way they can possibly keep up with the continually shifting uh, chemistry of these new psychotropic substances. So they're actually calling for having laws that are more generic so that just about anything that's psychotropic, anything that's mind-altering, could be quickly scheduled as an illegal drug. And this just brings me to a thought. 
if we're going to go that way, if, if the point isn't whether or not the substance causes harm to the user or causes harm to society, if the point is just the substance is psychotropic and therefore it's bad, then maybe we ought to just make everything illegal. Maybe every ingestible substance should be illegal, and then we can maintain a list of just those few things that are legal. Alcohol, tobacco, bananas, aspirin, raspberries, rutabagas, whatever. We'll have a list of what's legal, and then anything else you're forbidden from putting in your body. Now, I think most sensible people would realize that sounds quite ridiculous, but really that's the logical extension of what these people are talking about with respect to the new psychotropic substances is that if it's brand new and it is a drug, it must automatically be banned whether or not we know it's harmful or not. And of course, it's only through the banning of these drugs in the first place that has led to the development of these new psychotropic substances. People that are trying to get away with using a drug without getting detected for using that drug. How many people on the planet would prefer to use cannabis but since cannabis shows up in a drug test for so long, they switch to using spice or K2. How many people uh, could be suffering from the deleterious effects of these chemicals when the alternative, the natural alternative, has been never shown to cause an overdose death and has very low risk of side effects? And, and what side effects there are are fairly negligible. It's just frustrating to be here at the United Nations, knowing that much of this discussion, the elephant in the room, is cannabis policy. With Uruguay legalizing cannabis, with four United States legalizing cannabis, the U.S. Capitol has legalized cannabis, and another five states are waiting in the wings to legalize cannabis. But no, most of the discussion was around the new psychotropic drugs, the opioids, because they don't want to get into the conversation about cannabis. It's a losing argument for them. Worldwide, governments are beginning to recognize that this is not the threat that has always been hyped up to be. The ministers from Jamaica and other countries in South America uh, were calling for the rights of indigenous people to be able to use the plants that they find sacred and medicinal. Of course, the Jamaicans referring to ganja. Evo Morales, the uh, president of Bolivia, was here speaking about the native use of coca leaf. Uh, other uh, activists here have been speaking about the use of iboga, uh, the root that uh, makes ibogaine, the virtual cure for heroin addiction. And there was also concern about uh, religious use, especially, you know, again, talking to the Jamaicans about uh, Rastafari and their use. But so far here at the United Nations, the only consensus that was made since the last UN General Assembly Special Session on Drugs, which was all the way back 18 years ago, 1998, was the fact that instead of our 1998 mantra, which was, a drug-free world, we can do it, this time they want to aim for a world free from drug addiction. Slight change. We also got the President of Mexico to endorse legalization for medical and scientific purposes, so there has been some slight movement. But folks, the real movement is going to take place at the local and state level as we legalize state after state and as country after country legalizes, like Canada to the north of us, it will force the hand of these international bodies and legalization will finally happen. This is the Russ Belleville Show. 
The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. That's all the time we got for today. Thanks for joining us here live from the UN. We're coming back with the Toker Talk Radio from uh, 420-420. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us, and rest in peace, Prince. Until next time, take care of each other, Tokers. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can tope. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Potland, Oregon, at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the snoopy, snoopy, poop dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. Welcome back, Tokers and Tokets. Radical Russ here, once again in the cafeteria of the UN headquarters in Midtown Manhattan for day three of the United Nations General Assembly Special Session on Drugs. It's been an amazing session, and we're going to bring you some more coverage of it here in this hour two, Toku Talk Radio. We've got uh, a special discussion that I had just a couple of minutes ago. I sat down here in the cafeteria to start preparing the show like I normally do, and sitting next to me was the delegation from Students for Sensible Drug Policy in Jamaica. And so three Jamaicans sitting there and asking me if they could borrow some power. That was, you know, the power outlet that I'm sitting by. And I just asked them if I could sit down and talk to them about the UN General Assembly Special Session and the country of Jamaica and what they've been doing with respect to their laws on ganja. The Jamaican delegation has been one of the most positive delegations for harm reduction and recognition of indigenous rights to use plants like cannabis, and it was a very illuminating discussion. So we'll play that first for you, coming up here leading up to the 20 after break, and then following the 20 after break, I'm going to bring you my coverage of the 420 at 420 that happened at Daghammerskjold Plaza yesterday as cannabis reformers from around the city and those who had come in from out of state and even from around the world for this ungas meeting gathered at the Daghammerskjold Plaza to call for an end to the global war on drugs and, of course, being that it was 420, to partake in a little bit of ceremonial sacrificial ganja. It was a lot of fun. So we'll play that for you coming up here to end up the show. 
and uh, we'll bring you more from the United Nations General Assembly on tomorrow's show as well. So stay tuned, everyone. We're going to take a quick break, get some of the bills paid, and when we come back, my discussion with the students from Jamaica. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem, so I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. The cannabis community is a diverse set of people from all walks of life. Conservative and liberal, black and white, straight and gay rich and poor, and everyone in between. Learn more about the people we are freeing from adult cannabis prohibition in our Cannabis Community Chat. Good day, Tokers and Tokets. Radical Russ here at the United Nations Cafeteria, and sitting next to me, we have delegates... Oh, you're already plugged in. Delegates from uh, the nation of Jamaica, and uh, go ahead and just introduce yourselves to them. Uh, well, I'm Vicky Hanson. I'm from the Ganja Growers and Producers Association and part of the Students for Sensible Job Policy Movement at the University of the West Indies Mona. Hi, I'm Kenyan Francis, and I'm also a part of Students for Sensible Job Policy at the University of the West Indies Mona. Hi, and I'm Jama- um, Eleanor Hossi. I, I 
advise the government through the Cannabis Industry Advisory Board, which is connected to our Ministry of Industry. In uh, listening to the presentations today and the past couple of days at UNGAS, so many nations have stood up to approve of this outcome document, which basically maintains a lot of the status quo. Fortunately, the minister from Jamaica has been one of the strong voices standing up. In fact, the last session, when everyone else was talking about what they call NPS, new psychotropic substances or designer drugs, she's the one that stood up and said, we're actually concerned about an old substance, maybe one of the oldest. Give me your thoughts on what's been happening here at UNGAS and how Jamaica uh, fits into this and, and would like to see some change. Well, for us, we're concerned that the outcome document, as is now, doesn't take into account the cultures of indigenous people, which our new law, and, and I'm glad to say that we're leading the world in this world, is to take account of the rights of our indigenous people, to use a plant for their own benefit, and to use it in a traditional way that we have always been using it, for the healing of the nation, as, as would be said by our Rastafarian community. And it's, it may be for the UN a drug, but for us, it is a culture, it is a way of life, it is how we live. You, you go into any household, you'll find a bottle with cannabis being soaked with other, other herbs, other natural things that we can be used for traditional medical purposes, which scientifically and traditionally has been proven to have benefits. So we are willing to stand up against something that we think will block the rights of our human beings, which is our members of our country, our citizens, and to call for a new approach, which is what our Minister of Foreign Affairs has been doing here at this conference. And you know, what is something that the world really needs to know is that Jamaica is unified uh, on this position. It's bipartisan. Uh, members of both political parties are supportive of our people and their traditions, which not only include the folk tradition that Vicky speaks of. And you know, what is so funny is because everybody's grandmother has a bottle of alcohol with a ganja leaf, ganja leaf in there for when you have a cold or when you're ill or they'll boil some ganja tea. Uh, for its medicinal benefits and sometimes those persons who use it that way are quite against the smoking of ganja but they are for the medicinal benefits which have been recognized through generations and our motto is out of many one people out of our many people and our many traditions Jamaica has uniquely um, come out as a leader for the folk tradition of the medicine of cannabis we call it Gancho. We are unified in that. We are unified be behind the Rastafarian faith. That's an indigenous um, religion to Jamaica, but one where there are proponents for, for Rastafari all over the world. And what our law that was um, brought in by our former Minister of Justice, uh, Mark Golding, last year, did that is completely groundbreaking is that he conferred upon Rastafari the legal right, the legal right to possess and use ganja for their sacramental faith purposes. Now Rastafari is a recognized faith around the world, and the, and the right to practice um, your religion is a universal human right. So therefore, all Rastas around the world need to know 
that Jamaica has stood behind them, given them this legal right, and maybe they can use this as a precedent in their own countries to affirm their own rights. These international drug treaties have been around for over 50 years. Rastafari has been around for even longer than that. Is it the recent legalization in Uruguay and some U.S. states that have pushed the ball forward in Jamaica for these changes that you refer to? Uh, no, because this is something that we have been doing from centuries. From It was in 1913 and our citizens were being criminalized for it traditionally. However, what, what is different now is that we have recognized that the world, Uruguay is calling for a change because of the issues they are having. Uh, the U.S., unfortunately, is now trying to make a dollar from it. And, and so, therefore, they have gone to the capitalist point of trying to get recreational for sale and all of that. So they have come on board our trade. The difference is the purpose and the reason behind it, their change and our change. We are looking at changing the rules because it's beneficial to our people, the culture, the development. I hear this argument about removal of, of, of poverty and equality. You can only do that in recognition of the rights of all people and all people include the indigenous Rastafari, Maroons, indigenous people of every country. So it's good to know that the world is, for various reasons, looking at cannabis differently or ganja differently. But this is something that we have always been doing. And to be honest, you know, um, ganja has been prohibited in Jamaica with our ganja law from 1913, uh, some 24 years before the U.S. prohibited it. Because it was, it was a people's product. It, it made people enlightened, and uh, this was recognized by the colonial uh, rulers of the time to be a tool that did not help them, but it did help the people of Jamaica. And so we've been fighting this struggle for a longer time. And um, to be honest, our government has not always stood in line with the people because Rastafari has been persecuted for many years and misunderstood. But we have righted that wrong now in government. And our government and our civil society and our bipartisanship is showing. Jamaica is a mature democracy. Um, we are a small nation. We recognize that in certain arenas, we don't have the power to stand out. We seek alliances with like-minded countries. But even then, we are leaders. In, and, and our legislation has gone much further than most. We are not um, on, on the more extreme ends like Uruguay, which is a closed market, and the United States that have gone full adult use, which are going for the most liberal, um, laissez-faire type of market situation. Jamaica doesn't want that. Jamaica wants a, a, a regulated industry that protects our youth. That, that confirms the right upon Rasta. It's not as far as the Rastafari would go because, for example, um, our Deputy Solicitor General in the Attorney General's office, who is here presenting on behalf of the Jamaican delegation, did mention that, um, you know, as a religious sacrament, the Roman Catholics can sell their rosaries, um, but we, the Rastafarians who... who um, put 
uh, Ganja very high in their estimation cannot then uh, sell it to fellow Rastafarians. So it's gone some way for them and um, the fight is still on. But one thing is for sure, every Jamaican recognizes the benefits and we are outstanding in the nations and what we need are you know similar-minded allies so our strength can show on the you, you know the global front there are so many hypocrisies in this uh, i'm from the united states uh, western united states oregon where it is legal and uh, while i have the legal right as just a 21 year old citizen to go buy cannabis uh, indigenous people still don't have a religious right to use it even though indigenous peoples have a religious right to use peyote and ayahuasca. So the religious argument's been really confused in the United States. And you briefly mentioned the capitalism angle, and I wanted to get your take on this because we've seen uh, among our community of cannabis users in America uh, a division between the activism and the commercialism and some fear that the commercialism is overtaking some of the human rights considerations. More, more specifically, Brendan Kennedy and a group called Privateer Holdings is in with Rita Marley and the Marley family and distributing Marley Naturals, which are grown in Colorado and not helping a single ganja farmer in Jamaica. Give me your thoughts on the capitalism happening in America and what needs to happen to you know help these ganja farmers. Well, we're guarded against that, but part of us, we don't want to stop persons from earning, as, as my colleague said before. So what we have asked and what we are doing on the ground is to have the ganja growers and, and association, very cooperative, have a, have a community-based approach to development of the industry, because it, it, there is a potential for a medicinal industry, there is the potential for a product industry, byproduct industry, and we're saying, as part of that, that angle, is to have persons included. We don't want a capitalism that will exclude our traditional farmers who have been the sacrificial lamb for this industry, who have been imprisoned by even the U.S. and deported back and, and have their lives destroyed by even the U.S. So we're, we're saying, if you're going to come, you have to come with some level of partnership and not slavery. We're not doing the sugar slavery <laughs> thing again. Yeah. It's, we're not going to cede ganja to a, a, a colonial power who is coming in a different form and that's we that's a conversation that is happening we're willing to partner but if you're not coming with partnership we're not willing to work we're not going to be slaves anymore again we, we recognize the need for responsible capitalism Jamaica is not um, ideological we know it takes money to make the mayor run not only that we have our, our hopes and dreams and Every, every farmer in Jamaica wants to elevate their children to a better life. Um, as simple as farming and it's a, it is, it's a very fulfilling task. And, and the people who do it are dedicated. And we, we, we seek to protect the small farmers and the grassroots farmers. Because their ambition is to, um, is to be the backbone of our economy and to uh, elevate their families in such a way. For that reason, they need to sell their product. We are not closing up the market, but we don't want rampant capitalism at all costs. And we can look at the US and take heed and take warning. We're not going that way. We're going to do this responsibly. 
and we all collectively in Jamaica and especially those who have the influence and the power to, to make it happen right, we recognize our responsibility to our people and that starts with our traditions, our culture and the people who feed us, our farmers. Thank you so much for an illuminating discussion on these issues. I got to visit Jamaica for the first time last year, and it was beautiful. I can't wait to go again. Have a great session here at the United Nations, and a good lunch. Thank Thank you. you. That's just how white folks will do you. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Tennessee's Congressman Steve Cohen. Well, you know, if marijuana is a gateway drug, then kissing is a gateway activity to sexual addiction. U.S. Representative Jared Polis. Yes, we really have a growing group of, uh, of, of representatives that um, support decriminalization. It's the Russ Belleville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. This is Cannabis Facts from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. Supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. In 1937, the second most prescribed medicine, marijuana, was banned. It wasn't about marijuana. The paper, oil, and chemical industries lobbied to end hemp farming. No longer labor-intensive, an acre of hemp produced more quality paper than four acres of trees. Plastics and fibers could be produced from a plant. Hemp can even produce ten times the energy of today's ethanol. As marijuana prohibition ends, many states now allow farmers to again grow hemp. This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to process America's hemp crop at hempinc.com. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. Activism begins with act. 
The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. Radical Russ here on 420 in Dag Hammarskjöld Plaza near the UN building in New York City, Midtown Manhattan. Just a little past 4 p.m. We're waiting for 420 on 420 and joining up with activists here in the plaza who are demonstrating for an end to the global war on drugs. They have the jail is not a drug policy cell out here. It's on the back of a flatbed trailer. It looks like a 8 by 10 jail cell. It calls for marijuana reparations for communities most damaged by misguided war on marijuana. Jail is not a drug policy. DCMJ is here. DCMJ.org. They've got a large sign. The federal government should repeal the ban on marijuana. DCMJ.org and the New York Times. We're looking for our friend Doug Fine, who's somewhere here on the plaza. I see Dana Beal, the famous uh, yippie activist, walking around as well. We've got numerous camera crews here taking pictures, seeing what's happening here for 420. Get a snapshot here, DCMJ folks. And we're heading over here to the jail is not a drug policy. Get a shot there. Radical Russ from Cannabis Radio. How you doing on 420? Happy 420. Happy 420 to you. What's happening? Uh, we're just jamming out. It's almost 420. We have a jail here. Uh, it says jail is not a drug policy. We're outside the United Nations. Right and who are you? My name is Adam Eidinger, and I'm with a group called DCMJ.org. Adam, my pleasure to meet you. Thank you for legalizing D.C. Thank you, Russ. That was my first time in D.C. with you guys. I, uh, you weren't there, but the rest of the seed giveaway guys were there in front of the White House, and they tried to move us out from Pennsylvania to H. It was really weird. That's right. Uh, I wasn't there this past weekend, though. But, yes, two weeks ago, we did a big smoking on, on uh, April 2nd. Yeah. So DCMJ.org is the website if people want more info? Yes. All right, thanks, man. Adam Eidinger from DCMJ. Somebody's calling for Where, 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 where? Oh, I couldn't see what direction it was coming from. Well, I've got the headset on. I can't tell which direction things are coming from. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Tell Welcome everybody your name. Adela Falk from POW 420. POW 420. Is that a dot .com? Yes, it is. So dot .com. What is POW420.com doing? We are here at Ungas. Attending it, being we are stakeholders, and we believe that no one belongs in jail for a plan. What do you think of the uh, Ungas uh, so far? Oh my God, it's been an amazing experience. The amount of um, state representatives and delegates that are really wanting to end cannabis prohibition is extreme. And the fact that our voices aren't being heard is just really an injustice. This war on drugs is an international war. And being here, watching people fight for hemp, for clothing and food and fuel, watching them fight, or fight for indigenous rights to use cannabis, watching them fight for medicinal cannabis rights. Because you know what were they saying? 
155,000 people are getting access to, to a pain relief. Yeah, 5.3 billion. I <laughs> Crazy, couldn't even get it. The War on Drugs Museum was so overpowering. Uh, my statistics are just all a mess right now. But it's been really amazing. There was an incident at a cannabis roundtable today. Yes. What there was an anti-cannabis speaker. Oh, was that David Evans? I heard yes. Something. What happened? Oh, he brought up the youth. He, he's a NASCAR dad with the soccer car moms. What about the youth in St. Colorado's um, statistics for uh, more children using cannabis, more crime? It's all increased. He has the facts. He was booed out. He was telling everybody they should listen to him. There's LV. Drop me like a go to that girl. Oh, Woo! yes. I've, I've, got, I've talked to LV today, too. Yes. Wonderful. So many great people out here. Absolutely. Great activists. And it's nice when the prohibitionists get laughed out of the room, isn't it? Oh, I yes. saw some of the pictures. That room looked packed. They were, oh, and they said, the, the um, narrator said, I had the courage to take your question on and kept doing innuendos like the elephant in the room. So <laughs> it was amazing. Fantastic. It was absolutely amazing. It's been wonderful. Folks, check out pow420.com. Adela Falk, thanks so much for talking to us. All right. No one belongs in jail for a plan. I agree. Happy 420, LV. Radical Happy Russ, how are you doing? How are you today? Look at you. I'm feeling good. How are you doing? Happy to happy to spend 420 in New York. Yeah, very happy. It's been a long time. Wish I could stay a little longer for the Million Marijuana March, which I've done many times here. Will you be doing that in uh, Eugene? Yes, I'm in the process of moving, so I can't possibly take any more time out. All right, understood, understood. How do you, what do you think of the uh, United Nations ceremony, uh, uh, the assembly so far? Well, what I gotten to observe. You know, looks like the issue is getting out there. I haven't heard anything that says to me we're really going to change. Yeah. But then again, I haven't heard most of what's been out there. Yeah. I yeah. was watching it on stream. I wasn't able to get the uh, tickets to get inside. So. Right, right. But uh, I think, you know, it's good that we're talking. And uh, people there from Canada and Switzerland were talking back at the other place about how they deal with the problems with with responsibility and compassion, you know. Yes, and then on the other side, you have countries like Pakistan, Indonesia, China, all calling for doubling down on the war on drugs. But the only thing they agreed to is that they shouldn't have death penalties anymore. Yeah. But it, no, but even that has not entered the document. I know. That's not in there. We can't even agree to not murder people over this. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? LV, thank you for talking to us. Have yourself a great 420. Happy, happy. It is 4.07 here in uh, Manhattan. There's Doug Fine. Thank you, brother. How's it going? Really good. Thanks for the uh, directions. Yeah. Got me out here. So we are uh, 12 minutes away from 4.20. What do you think? Um, uh, I'm really excited about, forget about the United Nations, the openness in New York. Cannabis should be, for adult social use, no more of an issue than alcohol. And where I, when I grew up in New York, I wasn't um, uh, someone who uh, was a cannabis aficionado as a youth, but I knew that it was dangerous for people. If they, and then I went to college in California, and it was like the promised land, open, no problem. Uh, yeah. And here we are in the the plaza in front of the UN. And the parade is uh, two weeks from Saturday. Uh, yeah. Two and a half weeks. 
So that's Aaron Kay. He's one of the uh, yippies online who has threatened to throw a pie in my face uh, if uh, he ever saw me. Seems kind of disabled. I don't think he's going to be able to do that. <laughs> oh, the fun. I want to know that the 51 foot joint. It's 416 now here in uh, Manhattan. Yay! No more drug war! Glad to hear it. Right now, today in Vermont, they're introducing a bill to make the rainforest cure for addiction available for him. Address the problem. Than to arrest a few more people for Jody James, happy 420. And happy 420 to you, Russ. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. What can you? Uh, what are your opinions so far on the United Nations uh, Assembly? Uh, you know, it's like that first trickle of water. It runs really slow down the mountain, but pretty soon you have a flood. And I think the United Nations is not ready for the flood that is coming. Yeah, I saw the uh, pictures coming out of the the cannabis uh, side event that were people sitting on the floors. It was beyond standing room only. And that's what I told my girlfriends. I was actually one of the people sitting on the floor. And it really was. And even after it was standing room only, we still put more people into the into the room. I heard there was quite a flare-up with uh, David Evans. And that's always fun to get the drug-free America in the room. But, you know, their arguments fail. And they want to look at one side of the facts. And if you really want to do the best thing for children, you tell them the truth. You give them clear guidelines. You help them make good choices. And you set up a pattern of behavior. And you start young and you work your way through. And that's from the mother of an 18-year-old and a 22-year-old. Oh, uh, you would know. So uh, how are things going in Florida? You've got the amendment on the ballot, correct? We have an amendment on the ballot. I tell people cannabis is legal in Florida. Of course, it's legal like dynamite. And it should be legal like spinach. But yeah, so we're moving. Uh, in Florida every year for the last hundred years, alcohol has been discussed at the legislature, and I expect we're going to be there with marijuana policy. But of course, the freedom for an adult to use cannabis in any way that they want, whether it be for their health, their well-being, their peace of mind, spiritually, recreationally, or industrially, will always be my objective. Right on. Jody James is the executive director of Florida Can. That's flcan.org. Thanks for talking to us. Good to see you again, Good to see you. Hello, my name is Russ, and you are? Andres. Andres. Andres Emiliano. Andres. And you're with the uh, Caravan for Peace and Justice? Yeah, well, we, I ride to, with, from Honduras to here with the Caravan from Peace, Life and Justice. Wow, a road trip all the way from Honduras. Yeah, it was thousands of kilometers. Yeah, the, the, we begin the 28th of March in Honduras with like a group of 30 people and more than 100 people joined with the caravan, but they didn't couldn't, they couldn't came here because of the visas of Mexico and the United States. Yeah, that can always be difficult. For people that may not know, what is the Caravan for Peace and Justice? The Caravan for Peace, Life and Justice is a, a caravan that is saying no more drug war in every country. Open spaces of dialogue everywhere. It, it appears that we are at the 420 hour here. Does, uh, does 420 mean anything exactly. in Honduras? Uh, I don't know in Honduras, I, I know that it's a really American thing, but in Mexico it means a lot. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta get a selfie here. Do, do you mind if I selfie us? Can we selfie? Happy 420! Let's do get more people in here. Alright, more people. 
Happy 420 New York! Yeah, can I get a puff off that for the selfie? Nice. You. <laughs> Thank you. Mickey Norris. My niece Worth is here. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and here I thought I would not find any weed. What was I thinking? Kristen wins here. Hi, Kristen. Happy 420 Happy to you. Happy 420 to you. Those are some big joints. Now this, this is 420 feminism. Yeah. <laughs> 420 love. 420 love. 420 love. Absolutely. All these beautiful people smoking weed. And there's a lovely Bianca Green. Bianca. Howdy, howdy. Happy 420 to you. Happy 420 to you. Russ, how you doing? Doing good. What do you think about this 420 holiday today? Um, you know, it's kind of overwhelming. I'm not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> I'm not really sure what to think. Yeah. You know, it, yeah, it's bittersweet because there's so much progress, but there's still much, so much to be done. Um, and it's interesting to see all the people here celebrating it and. Um, I'm excited for change. I'm excited to see more change come throughout this next year, and I want more and more people to keep sparking the conversation and really rally. So this time next year, we are all in those uh, walls, and, and the conversation keeps being moved forward. Right on. What's happening in your world professionally? Oh, Russ. <laughs> you you know I'll going. give you an exclusive at some point, but, you know, just documenting things, telling okay. stories. That's what I do. I'm a documentarian, right? And it journalist a little bit but I'm, I'm documenting a lot of things working with some really great uh, directors to come out with some content that uh, you know highlights all the really good people that are in the movement from industry advocacy and policy so I'm excited in the next six months to put some really cool stuff out and the spark the conversation campaign we have some really good stuff coming out and we're doing our relaunch in July so wow if it's anything close to the culture high I know it's going to be amazing uh, thank you yeah that was a really powerful film and it, it was definitely a catalyst to a lot that's going on right now but it, we didn't say anything that hasn't been already said and that's the point it's like we keep saying the same thing over and and over and over again and it's time for people to get it together and because together we will rise right, right thank you bianca and uh, any contact info you want to give out for folks spark the go donate whatever you can do uh, volunteer wherever you can safeaccessnow.org for all your medical marijuana needs uh support is what we need so you know keep it keep it coming thank you yeah. have a great 420 we'll see you later hey, you so happy <laughs> Oh, it's just a lot of joy out here in Midtown Manhattan. We're at the Daghammer Skilled Plaza. 420 has just come, and uh, folks are openly enjoying spliffs, joints, bongs, weed, pipes, cannabis, herb, ganja, whatever you call it, it's being enjoyed. We got Lenise Worth here. Yeah, hey. hi, Lenise. How you doing? Happy 420. Happy 420 to you. What do you think about this United Nations session so far? Well, you know what? It's kind of mixed up because. It's, you know, the passes they gave us today were, were absolutely worthless. And so, uh, it, you know, I think that was a by design, but I think it's because we're getting under their skin, and I think that's exactly where we need to be. So, uh, only thing is, I am kind of coming to the conclusion that what's really causing them to lose it 
is what we're doing here in the states, in Colorado, in Washington State, in Washington D.C. You know, this is what the, the treaty organization is crumbling at its foundations. I mean, Washington D.C. Come on! So I'm very excited. I think uh, I think we're going to go back to Virginia and get it legalized there. You know, we're going to do see decrim first, but uh, that we had three D. Decrim bills in Virginia last year, and you know Virginia—that was big progress. So we're going to, in fact, uh, almost got smoke a joint, lose your license repealed, and maybe we'll actually get that next year. Uh, I'm, so I'm excited about the future, and and I couldn't think of a better place to be than with you here on 420. Oh well, thank you, Lenise. This is my first 420 in New York City, so yeah. I'm, I'm quite excited about it. Yeah, right. Well. This is where the United Nations, you know, and also last month they were meeting in, in Vienna, Austria, and we went over there too. And they, uh, the, the reform community was really strong at those meetings, and that's what we need to do. When governments and seats of power get together and meet and they're talking about cannabis and drug policy, that is where we always need to be. Because if you're not there, you're not there. Right. And so we really need to, to get into these uh, seats of power, did I say, government meetings. Uh, next uh, This year, the government of Virginia is going to be deciding on policy to manufacture CBD oil. Oh, that's great. Well, they're also allowing 5% THCA, which is also great. But, yeah, they're, they're doing that, and a bunch of us are going to go to the, to the meetings. Oh, good. That's right. They're open. For, in Virginia, all the meetings are open in most states. There are a lot of these meetings are open, so you just have to go to them. So it sounds obscure, and it really is, but we're going to be there anyway. That's right. We're going to get right under their skin. Lenise, you got any uh, contacts or websites you want to tell people about? Well, I want uh, to spell my name so people can make friends with me on Facebook. Okay. It's L-E-N-N-I-C-E, and my last name is W-E-R-T-H, and I want them to make friends with me on Facebook, and then I want them, they can Google Virginians Against Drug Violence if they like, but uh, I want them also to go to uh, the uh, uh, Open Society uh, face, uh, not Facebook, but website, and also I want them to look at normal, and I want them to engage with the reform community any way they can. You know, so get out there and do it, folks. All right, happy 420, Ladies. Yeah, thanks. All right. All right, we're gonna continue here on our 420 celebration in Daghammer's Guild Plaza, Midtown Manhattan. Actually, this is one of the handful of legal, federal legal medical marijuana patients in this country. This is LA Music, a very famous person. Thank you, Dana. What a treat it is to be back in New York City working with you. We've done it many times in the past. We've carried banners all up and down their streets. And it's just great to be here. I am here holding a marijuana cigarette, a cannabis cigarette. Because of your love, because you all cared, when I got in trouble, I moved into the government alone, and they supplied me from their federal farm in Mississippi. I have been on this for 27 years, and the most precious part of it all is that I'm enjoying something you don't have today, and that makes me sad. Freedom! I feel free because I am legal. But I am not really free if you're not. 
So we've got to keep working till every one of us can feel the joy that I felt when I got my first legal marijuana cigarette. When I found that I don't need an aspirin in my medicine cabinet to take care of serious accidents I've had. I don't need any other medicine but this wonderful herb which I take in the spirit of Thanksgiving every day. Here is a plant that has never killed anyone. What is with all these regulations and stipulations? We gotta make it safe. It has never killed anyone. What is it you think you need to free it from? From making a mess of it when you're growing it? People go to jail for manufacturing marijuana? The only one I know that manufactures marijuana is the creator. I hope he's not in jail. <laughs> right. You know? Well, Okay, so take care. Remember to, to arrest an adult for choosing a wiser but is the epitome of hypocrisy and stupidity. But to arrest a patient for choosing the creator's work, that's blasphemy, blasphemy, blasphemy. Woo, woo. So let the spirit of law be your guiding light. This fight will be over. You're making a change. Not that you and not anybody else. Everybody's going little by little. Maybe we'll give you this, but we'll take that. And, uh, whatever. But God gave it all and he gave you free will and you've got to make his work count in your lives, in your homes, in your country, in your world. Remember, the green leaf is here to heal the nations. You have been given those instructions. Thank you. The first thing I gotta do is take a hit for everybody here because you guys deserve it. Um, you know, I went to Oak State University you know, in California and learned about the legalization. Learned about the plant in general, you know, uh, cultivation, medicine, um, you know, the history from where Nixon used propaganda to start, you know, messing up, you know, Legalize, legalizing uh, this plane should be legal it should be decriminalized everywhere it should be you know deinstitutionalized you know and I just want you guys to know that the first thing it starts with is change and to make that change we all need to work together and be here now because the government is obviously not doing it for us and they are Corrupt, and that was it. That's what it is uh, ultimately about, you know. So, we as the people, us here now, this is a change. This is what we stand for. Uh, all ancient medicines, you know, plants. I'm a vegetarian, you know. What I mean, so I represent herbs completely, and I just want to thank you guys for coming out because it means a lot to me, and it means a lot to that everything around you. Alright.
here, here's Jody. Jody James. Well, thank you all for being here, and thank you for that. So if you were going to go to Mars, and you were going to take the one plant that was going to help you to create a new world on Mars, that plant would be cannabis. It will house you, it will feed you, it will clothe you, it will heal you, and as you plant it on Mars, it will remediate the soil. If there is something like that, that's something that even if you went off into the universe and you would take it with you, that thing becomes an inalienable right. So beyond human rights, which is what we have given to each other, beyond international rights, the niceties that we have used to create the society, beyond the civil rights, the rights that we have written into the Constitution, the written laws that we have built the society, and beyond the judiciary, where we go to court and we take a charge for cannabis and we defend our right to use it, just like our sister Ali Masika did when she won the right to use cannabis. When you do that, when you make that decision, you are taking part in the greatest gift that has ever been given to humanity, and that is the right to claim not human rights, not civil rights, not legal rights, but the inalienable right to treat yourself. Celebrate yourselves for being here on 420 at 420, and be sure to take what you learn and take it home. Here's a... Doug Fine, uh, representing the European Coalition for Just and Effective Drug Policy. Thank you. It's an honor to be and uh, have a microphone passed by Dana Beal. Have we acknowledged the, the work that this man has been doing for decades to get us here? It's not enough! Okay, guys, this is the audience participation part of the program. All right, now, I've been impressed with how far New York has come since I, I grew up here in terms of cannabis acceptance in public at the foot of the Trump Tower. Um, so, uh, let's all make, this is good. So, anybody who wants or doesn't mind being in a television show, this is a television show called Growing Season that I'm making about the emergence of hemp cannabis. Don't do this, but everybody who doesn't mind being on television, okay, we're going to do the sign language for hemp all together. It's just going to take a minute, and then there's going to be other great speakers, okay? So I'm going to teach it to you right now. You ready? I'm going to set down the microphone for a second. It's one motion like this. Cross your arms, and your hands are like this with the two fingers out and the thumb on top, and it's just one motion. This is it. Okay, so we're just a crowd that's enjoying 420 and refilling our endocannabinoid systems. One, two, three, go! God bless you all. Happy 420. More speakers now. All right, um, let me see. Oh, yeah. It's Mickey. Yay. Happy 420! And happy 420 from my husband, Chris Conrad, who couldn't make it here today. He's in California celebrating 420. So 420 is our holiday. This is our culture. We are the cannabis community. 
we should be recognized as a culture and not be de demonized and penalized. We are the good people. We are some of the, for me, cannabis consumers are some of the nicest, most intelligent, honest, decent, hardworking, creative and compassionate people that I know. And we deserve our equal rights. I come from California, where I'm happy to tell you that we are finishing up a petition drive right now to get an initiative on the ballot to legalize cannabis for adults 21 and older. No need for a medical marijuana note, but you can get one and still be a patient if you would like for additional protections. But in California, we hope in November to change the paradigm from one of criminal, being criminalized to one to being legal. And we are very excited to invite you, if we pass this, to invite you to California and consume cannabis in a coffee shop-like venue where you can buy cannabis, people will be able to possess a small amount and transport it and give it away and share it. And we will be able to grow six plants in an enclosed space or in outdoors if your locality will allow that. It's an opportunity to expunge records of people who have marijuana convictions on their record, marijuana offenses. They will either be reduced or completely expunged. And people who have criminal records such as drug offenders will still be able to get a license to become a legal cultivator or legal retailer in our state. So we're very excited and also the way they will be treating the youth in California. That people, that young people who have their youthful indiscretions are not going to have their lives ruined with a criminal record. Because this initiative makes it so that young people who get in trouble will not get a criminal record. They will get drug education or counseling and have to do some community service, but no criminal record, so they can come out of their youth and into adulthood without the burdens of having a criminal record. So we're very excited. The tax revenues, it's gonna be taxed. We're not so excited about some of that, but you know what? Things are taxed, but we are excited about legalizing it and making it available and stopping the criminalization and also using the tax revenues for good things like $50 million every year is designated for communities that have been disproportionately impacted 
by our drug policies. So they're going to get some financial assistance for their programs that are going to help the people who've been harmed by the drug war. So I'm hoping that if you have friends who are in California, you'll tell them to vote yes for the Adult Use of Marijuana Act in November. And while I'm here in front of the United Nations, let us call on the United Nations to end the war on drugs that has failed and harmed so many people, shattered so many lives, killed people with their policies. We need drug policies based on human rights, compassion, social justice, harm reduction, and we need to end the death penalty for drugs all over the world. And allow us to grow and possess and use and buy and sell cannabis. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down soon.